The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW Future Stars Wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. How you doing, Joe? Oh, definitely relieved after this long weekend. And it was a long weekend of great wrestling. And one of the guys who participated uh, this past weekend is uh, Mr. Toa Leona. Toa, how are you doing, brother? Hey, what's up, guys? I'm doing great, man. Just blessed to be able to, you know, have a place to showcase my skills this past weekend and uh, getting ready for the next one. Yeah, we can't wait. Um, and yeah, he'll be debuting his new name, uh, Turncoat, Turncoat Toa. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, that was a good one. They didn't see it coming. <laughs> well, you know what? That was one of the things I think that was um, very uh, wonderfully done in terms of the fans not seeing this uh, coming. Um, also, digging more heat onto the MK Army. And, uh, boy, Joe, do you, do you know of anyone else in FSW who gets that much heat as MK does when he just walks into the arena period well braxton does because everybody hates his guts <laughs> and you'll hear more about that on uh the uh fresco show with joe defalco that uh oh yeah we, we already did that i made my i made my debut gave them their highest rating uh in their history of over a year which was easy because it was me you know what i'm saying um, you know, Toa, for you, when you uh, get put into a situation where you're given such a juicy, <laughs> no pun intended, uh, storyline where, you know, you have a an established tag team with Juicy, Juicy's on the other side for GCW, you're on the side of FSW, and given the opportunity to then... Um, show your loyalty to your tag partner instead of to FSW. Bastard. When you were, when you were getting ready, when you're getting into mindset, when you're gearing up, how does that make you feel knowing that you're about to go out there and do something that realistically could go 50, 50, it could go really good or it could go really bad. Is that something that you get yourself psyched up for in terms of what you have to do to execute the plan that's in place for you guys? Uh, for me, I always get hyped up and real intense before any match. Uh, but this one was different in the sense of it wasn't necessarily my moves or what I had planned to do to my opponent that I was really focusing on. It was, which I liked on this end was the psychology of it. You know, I knew that they were going to see it coming, you know, so I was hyped up trying to do the little in-betweens in the beginning the show that was Team FSW. So once it came time for the turn, I knew for sure I had them hooked. You know, and I knew once I hit, once I turned on Graves, that the crowd was going to start booing. 
you know, Joe, when you think of um, putting together a match that is one company versus the other company, and you're also trying to still tell the story you want to tell that futures your future stories uh, coming up with the FSW shows. How do you go about the mindset of figuring out something that would work that no one would see coming because of the fact that really, I think a lot of times when we see these matches that are this versus that in terms of shows or companies, um, they're usually pretty bland without any kind of turns or anything like that. Is it something that you strive to do that if you're working with another company, you're still trying to do something that would give you fuel for future storylines down the road? Only if it makes sense. But when I talked with Toa, we were in the beginning process of, hey, we're going to do an FSW GCW show. And we were going to, and we had talked about doing a survival of the fittest type match there. And initially the idea was, you know, team FSW, team GCW. And I had brought up the idea of Toa on one side, Juicy on the other. That was one of my first thoughts. Uh, that would be something good, you know. And the bottom line is Brett at GCW, he gave me full reign. Like, he had no idea who was going over. He had, you know, all we discussed was the matches. The only thing that got changed which is funny because it got the most heat. And that was, I had in the mindset, I told Jay Vidal he was going to work Effie. And we were all set with that. And then uh, I got word from, from Brett that Ricky Morton, who was scheduled to do the Lava Lounge with Disco, wasn't available for the Saturday. So he was hopping on a red eye after the, the GCW show Friday night. To, uh, to do something Saturday in North Carolina. So, you know, Brett likes disco and wanted to figure something out. He felt that him and Effie would be really, really good. And I'll tell you what, it got more likes. It got way more likes than anything that we posted match-wise. And it got way more re-quote tweets than Thing. And most of those tweets were, you know, 80% bashing Disco and 20% like Disco's going to beat up this nobody. That guy was on for 15 years. Who's this, who's this fucking joker? You know what I mean? So it was like, so when they came out, you know, it, it was a great moment because Disco's never liked to begin with. So he was even more hated. Because the FSW fans don't like them. So the funny thing is, representing FSW, per se, it wasn't my decision. But, you know, <laughs> oh, FSW insisted that Disco be booked. And they weren't going to order the pay-per-view because they weren't going to pay Disco. And it's like, well, Disco is still getting paid the exact same amount of money. And if you want to, like, go take a crap during his match, you could have did that. Is it wasn't like your fifteen dollars now made Disco more money? You know what I mean. And if you look at the show from beginning to end, you know I'm very proud of everything we did because it's everything. You know I put the stuff together and you know try to put 
the matches in the order I thought would work best. You know, we had, you know, classic Chris Bay, Starboy Charlie, the scramble, that style. Then it was a little more rough and tumble with the bigger guys in the eight-man tag, you know what I mean? To where we culminated it all with the craziest match ever in the FSW, not even arena, in FSW, period. Yeah. You know, you know that, that was just insanity, you know what I mean? And it was like having the freedom from GCW to allow me to do that the idea really was these are all standalone shows, but it made sense because uh, the R&B were unavailable. So initially they were going to be part of the four. And then Jacob Austin Young was in town for Natural Born Killers. He did my kids show. So then it was like, hey, you want to do the Sunday show? The only show he wasn't booked for was the Saturday show. And then it really came together at that point, because when we added him to the match, it still wasn't like a thought like, hey, this is what we're going to do. We already knew about the turn, but now it even made more sense that in the turn, they've been involved with Graves and obviously with Jacob Austin Young. Now, Death Proof has Toko Uso on their radar. So it, it, it was a great moment in the FSW-GCW match, but it also set up stuff for the future. Yeah. Uh, so when you go into a match like that, is it something that you feel very comfortable in knowing that you've got guys like Graves, like uh, Greg Sharp, like Jake, Jacob Austin, um, to you know be able to feel out the moments and, and to be more comfortable because eight mans can be clusterfucks at times, to be honest. Um, for you, is it you know really valuable to have not only those guys on your side of the the ring, but then to have Juicy, who obviously you trust, you know, with you know your life essentially, um, on the other side, and just having that that mix, does that make it easier for you to go out there and, and feel comfortable performing? Oh yeah, most definitely. When you know the workers around you, definitely that trust issue is almost secondhand, you know? So uh, for me, it was nice knowing the people I was working with and also especially what we were trying to get across the story of that for me, I wanted to showcase that more or less in the show because I knew all these other crazy spots were gonna happen. The FSW versus GCW. I, I knew that there was gonna be a different way that I can quote unquote steal the show or like have a moment and I knew that with uh, the workers I had around me on our tag, the little in-betweens of them being hesitant to, you know, give me a fist bump, things like that. You know, me trying to help them save, you know, here back and forth, you know, to when it finally uh, came to me turning, you know, it made more sense yeah. for it to be like, oh, no, how could you? Versus uh, you know, just kind of like, you know, throwing it away, per se, right. you know. It was an eight-man right, match, but I treated it like it was a WrestleMania main event. You know, that eight-man could have easily just been a throwaway match right. on the show. But, you know, the whole the whole hope is that every match has something special about it that you remember it. Because, you know, we've had a lot of good matches, and then people are like, oh, yeah, you know, when I wrestled him, and it's like, really? You, you, you wrestled him? And again... It was just another match. And a lot of times that's going to happen. 
you know, that 20 minutes after your match, your match was forgotten. And that's when people talk about the spots and doing this and doing that. And it's making that moment where it's the, the, the fans getting, you know, emotionally involved into a situation. And that is way more important. You know, Toe is a big dude. Juicy's a big dude. Yeah, Juicy's going to do a moonsault off the top rope and do some sick shit that a guy his size is normally not going to do. But generally, it's it, it's a different style of match, obviously, than you're going to see with Jay Vidal and Jordan Oliver and, you know, a Chris Bay, yeah. you know. And, and everybody has to stand out. You know, even like a Graves. And I, I know Toa was happy that Graves got added to that match just in case things got a little crazy with that GCW crew. Because, you know, hear a lot of things about Matt Justice sometimes. Well, you know, that's a great point. Um, Toa, how, you know, how is it when you're working with guys that you might not have encountered before and are as reputable extremists as GCW is there a sense of um, just making sure that everyone is protected just in case something you know happens to go away in in the moment yeah so for me um, coming into this match my mindset was I'll do anything if it makes sense you know um, I didn't want to say no to anything per se just to say no uh, but at the same time, I knew if anything did go away, I know I could protect myself and uh, get back to where we had to be in the match. So I wasn't too worried. Well, you, you already knew Graves was the guy who was going to say to know whatever he didn't want to do. So exactly. <laughs> exactly. See, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the, yes, uh, the nice, uh, mean guy, per se. Graves is just the mean, mean guy. <laughs> um, you know, when you, when you think about Toa Joe, how did you get introduced to him? How did you first come about oh, seeing be fun. him? <laughs> it was actually at the uh, empty arena show that GCW did. Uh, they were supposed to do it, and then there was no fans allowed in Vegas. So, of course, we stepped up and said, yeah, you can use our facility. You know, we gave him a good deal, Brett and all those guys. And uh, Toa came up. I didn't really know Juicy very much at all. I, I think I probably barely had met him, you know. And I see this big motherfucker walking up to me, and I'm like, yeah, who's this fucking goofball? You know what I'm saying? And then it was like, uh, and he introduced himself. And, you know, one of the few guys who really went out of his way to, like, make sure he introduced himself to me. And then I saw them, and they had a match, and I'm like, oh, these guys are pretty good, you know. And then – the more I talk to them, the, the more I like them. And it's like, it's, it's hard to make comparisons, but early on, you kind of get a judge. You kind of get a feeling about people. You know, I felt from day one, when I met Hammerstone, even though he was green as green can be, I sensed that there was something special about him that this guy was going to be a star. And I feel the same way about Toa. It's like, He's got a great, great attitude toward things. He wants to learn. He wants to listen. You know, he's getting ready. You know, he's not been in this business that long. So he's kind of jumped ahead of the curve. And, and guys who do that usually have the most success. That when they're still early on and people are like, oh, shit, he's only had this many matches. And it's like he gets it. So imagine when he does have the experience 
that, you know, like look at Hammerstone now. Look at Chris Bay. You know, yeah. every year you do Chris Bay. You know, carrying Cross was going to be a big fucking deal, you know. And, you know, Toa's got the look. He's got the size. He's got the good attitude. You know, he's definitely a guy that, you know, we always talk sometimes about, hey, who's that heavyweight guy? And a lot of times it's it's really unsure. And I don't think he's ready right now. But I think, you know, with the continued improvement, like in a year, it would not shock me for him to be the FSW heavyweight champion. I think he's got all the all the skills necessary. You know, MK can hold them back as much as possible, but <laughs> he might break through, you know, in the end. And and within a year or two, you might have another uh, Sean Ricker situation on your hand where he, Toa gets the belt and then <laughs> he's off to Orlando within three days. Well, they, they got enough Samoans. They got a new one that's coming soon. So <laughs> they're going to take, take a break on some Samoans for a little while. Um, you know, so Toa, what was your first memory of that meeting with Joe? And what was it like, um, you know, for your first time getting a chance to be at FSW in, you know, even though it was empty arena show, um, did you feel that sense that, you know, people around FSW were very passionate and serious about what they do in terms of taking it to the next level to be such a reputable company producing guys who have gone on to do amazing things. Oh yeah. I mean, um, I've heard of FSW through Sefa and, you know, he, he kept telling me, he said, come through, come through, come through. And, um, you know, I'm waiting for opportunities to, you know, cause I'm like, like Joe said, I'm fairly new. I don't like to mention how long I've been working cause I don't want people to get the wrong idea, you know, cause right. I, my work doesn't, um, isn't based or doesn't look like the years of experience I am. Absolutely. Let's put it that way. And so once I seen those opportunity to come to FSW with, with Juicy, you know, I made sure to come introduce myself to Joe because first thing he said, told me, you know, FSW is where the big dogs play. So I'm like, all right, let's get it rocking, you know, because I want to make a name in this business for myself, you know, as someone that doesn't have the experience, therefore can't be put on these bookings, these big promotions, because who am I, you know? Right. Uh, so coming to FSW, I, I looked at it as that was my opportunity to get put on the scene, sure. you know, so empty arena match or not, like I said earlier, I, I, I didn't mean it just to like sound catchy or corny. I really do treat every match as if it's WrestleMania main event, as if there's a contract on the line. And for those matches that was in the empty arena, I knew Joe was going to watch. I knew he was. And I, and my mind says like, yeah, I'm going to say hi to you now. And then afterwards, I know you would come up to me after. So that was my <laughs> mindset going into it. You know, yeah. uh, you know, I'm the most humble, cocky person you'll know, because I know like I'm blessed to have all these opportunities. But the same, these opportunities are lucky to have me in there. So I just tried my best to showcase everything I got. Did Sefa uh, describe Joe to you in uh, any manner? Or did you know when you met Joe that Joe was like a little pit bull? Oh, yeah. He, had big, yeah, he already gave me a heads up. <laughs> he gave me a warning. Wait, a, what? So... a pit bull? What are you talking about? I'm the nicest guy you know. <laughs> hey, man, Joe. Pitbulls can be sweet. They can be lovable if you know them. But if you don't know them, you could be intimidated as hell. And I know I'm more like a I'm more like a Jack Russell, bro. 
Uh, you know, Joe, when you get a look at guys like Juicy and Toa working as a tag team and knowing also the history of um, guys from Knox Pro as well and, and having your success with, um, you know, helping Sefa get to the next level, did you look at them as a tag team and realize, you know, hey, right now we don't have that type of huge dominating tag team that these guys would be the perfect fit to throw another, you know, cog into that wheel of your choices of who you could see matching up. Was this something that you kind of immediately went, oh, yeah, this this would be a great thing for us to incorporate? Well, you know, we talk about the tag division and it, how deep it is. But the thing is, it's it's very deep with younger no limits sized guys, you know, and being that during the pandemic, it was so localized shows, all those guys kind of wrestled each other, you know, a lot, right. you know, to get their experience and doing all the other stuff. And the thing is with Toko Uso, you bring them in and they immediately rise to that top tier of tag teams that we always talk about. There's the A-list and the guys that hate it because they're in the B-list. And it's like, well, it isn't because, you know, you guys have been in the business 14 years and you suck. It's the fact that you've been in the business one year, two years, three years, and you are nowhere near, you know, ready to be main guys at a Sam's Town event. You know, it's easy to protect the guy who's, you know, 6'3", 280, looks like a monster. And then you got Juicy, who's 400 pounds, that they do some shit, and then people are just oohing and on. Like, if I brought them in the first day ever, and they laid out Death Proof and won the tag titles, people would not be surprised. Right. I mean, it's like, it, the intimidation, the size does mean something people see these guys and what they've seen what they've done you know unfortunately you know the only issue we've had is juicy gets a lot of booking so it's kind of hard to get him in and you know toa hasn't really missed a beat he tagged with tito it was good he's done the single stuff so thankfully we put the mk army together with three people and you know generally the idea was tito's the singles guy and Togo shows the tag, obviously. And, and now we even have a, a female. Viva Van is now part of the MK Army. And, you know, she's going to be the bodyguard for Toa. So we should be, she, he should be all right. You don't have to look, you don't have to look behind his back because I know Grace is probably eyeballing him as we speak. You know what I mean? But, but the thing is, it's like, you know, Toko Uso and the RMB, we haven't seen them since the anniversary show. Yeah. You know, Toko Uso, you know, those guys got their first tag match in a while uh, when we did the Alliance show on Sunday. Uh, and, I, uh, you know, Twitter's buzzing from the pounce heard around the world from Toa <laughs> on Chase Bell. You know, even the guy who runs No Peace Para was popping for it. <laughs> what what was that like for you, Toe? What was that that match like for you? Um, and, you know, you here you get an opportunity. It's been a long weekend at that point. It's you know Sunday night now. 
how was it for you to uh, get amped up and to, you know, really put on something that got people talking? Um, I mean, for me, I looked at it like there could be a million reasons for me to phone it in. Long weekend, last show, this, this, and that. Literally the last match of the, the weekend. Yeah. You know, but uh, for me, an easy reminder is my family. You know, I got my wife at home, watch my son while I'm doing these doing these rounds, you know, hitting these circuits. And I know, you know, I got twins on the way. Yep. You know, so there's a lot of people counting on me. So never once am I thinking like, oh, you know, uh, no, I'm going to give it everything I got every single time. So my mindset in Gorilla going into it was like, don't phone it in. No reason for you to, you know, take a night off. Like, give it everything you got. I don't care if there's 10 people in the crowd or 300, 5,000, whatever the number is. I'm you're, whatever, whatever you see me debut on a show or in a card, just know whether it's one person in the crowd or a thousand, you're going to get the same total. Yeah, you know, the, the truth is, he was like, he wasn't going to turn down that $1,500 booking. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's true. That's true. You know, money talks, you know? <laughs> well, you know, uh, I'm glad you brought that up that you are having twins. Congratulations. 2022. He ain't, he ain't having anything. The wife's having it. Yeah. True. I'm just I'm just here for the ride. Yeah, he's just watching. So Joe, does that make it excited for you to realize that you've got uh until about let's say 2040 uh to where the uh the new tag team, the twins, can debut in FSW somewhere around then? Yeah, probably by that time, Joey has run FSW into the ground, so I won't be worried. <laughs> uh, but how excited are you, Toa, to know that, uh, man, not only do you have a son who is just, if, if anyone doesn't follow your social media, please follow uh, Toa on Instagram, um, because, man, you put some pictures up that are just, uh, you know, just adorable. How is it being a father and how excited are you that the kids are, are going to be making their debut in 2022? I mean, for me, it's it's everything for me. You know, uh, family means a lot to me. You know, so seeing my son, you know, like as he's growing, you know, him seeing me do this wrestling stuff, him doing his little wrestling moves on, on the bed and stuff, man, really warms my heart. You know, and then knowing that I got more, you know, more kids on the way. I mean, it was, it was crazy. We're, we're over at the doc's appointment, you know, doing the ultrasound. And said, congrats, there's two. Me and my wife looked at each other like, what? That you guys are having twins. We just started dying hysterically, you know, because we just couldn't believe it, you know. It was a great blessing. But with that, you know, with that same blessing, I know comes responsibilities. So that's, that's what motivates me and drives me is knowing that, you know. The one good thing is the wife gets to take a year off because we know usually the Samoans have eight or nine kids. So now it's like having an extra one. So it's one less year. She has to go through it. <laughs> exactly. That's what we're happy with twins. Now we're done. Three and done. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. You say three and done now, and then you have the whole front line of uh, a football team within the next three years. Yeah. So <laughs> The Samoan baseball SWAT team. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Joe, being a father yourself of a son who got involved following in your footsteps, what is some advice you have for Toa in terms of if, you know, the kids might possibly follow in his footsteps by seeing what he's doing in his career? 
make sure you beat them more. <laughs> you know, obviously I didn't beat my kid enough. That's all I figured. <laughs> and he says he's not a pit bull, right? <laughs> so tell it, you know, training at Knox Pro, um, what has that meant to you in terms of being able to really kind of put everything together and, you know, learn from some of, you know, some of the, one, the solid guys out there that, you know, really know what they're doing. Um, I, I look at Knox Pro, I look at FSW, and I look at Santino Brothers as, you know, the three most important um, West Coast, you know, training schools. Um, what has that experience been like for you? And are you... Are you eager as you grow to help some of the younger guys in the business learn from what you're learning now? Oh yeah. Like first uh, coming, you know, coming to Knox Pro Man was one of the best decisions I ever made. Um, quick little story. My wife is watching Total Divas, uh, watching Total Bellas. And then she just asked me a question. Why don't you start wrestling? And I couldn't answer. I couldn't answer her because I grew up loving wrestling. That was my thing. I loved wrestling as a kid. You know, when, when I couldn't answer her why I wouldn't start wrestling, I was like, that's a very good question. This is, you know, this is after my my football career run. Uh, I was doing powerlifting. I was got bored, you know, sure. lifting X amount of pounds, you know, gets boring after a while, you know, especially I bet 700 pounds. It's not like I'm going to have a million dollar contract waiting for me. Right. So I just figured that, that there had to be a next you know, like what's going to happen next. And when she hit me with that question, I felt like it was like, boop, right in my head, like that's what's next, you know? So I immediately went and reached out to Rikishi over at Knox Pro and he messaged me back shortly after, went over there, uh, met him in Reno. Um, and man, they, they took me under their wings from day one. Um, I think that speaks highly on when people are surprised by my years of experience, how it doesn't match my work when you see there in, in the ring is 1000% due to the fact that Knox Pro guided me, yeah. um, teaching me the ropes, you know, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense, what looks good on me, what doesn't, you know, and then with that, I all in or all out kind of guy. So I make sure every single day I'm studying film some way or some form I'm training, I'm doing everything it takes to make it to the next level. So much so that me and the family moved to the Bay area to live with my mom during the pandemic. You know, jobs were going out. I'm a personal trainer at first. So with no gyms open, I wasn't able to work. Right. So I didn't know what to do. So for me, uh, when the pandemic was finally coming to a close, I asked my wife, I'm like, are you down to move to L.A.? For two reasons, right? I want to be able to come train at Knox Pro as much as I can to get better, but then also be able to make this Vegas trip over to FSW more frequently. I was willing to do the grind, but that nine-hour drive to Vegas was really really putting hurting on yeah. like us as a family in the sense of like me leaving nine hours that's at least two days gone you know but now it's one one trip burner go out there do the show come right back so we don't really miss too many work days now yeah. you know so so for me man that was like the biggest thing for me was to come to la so i could come to knox pro come to fsw more frequently for bookings you know and going on to the second part where you're saying about the the young kids man yeah, I, for me, I'm a big believer of, like, each one teach one. 
You know, that's what we that's what we're taught over at Knox Pro. So I want to be able to bring that everywhere I go. You know, once I got the clearance from some students that could come with me to a show, I brought them. And Joe, <laughs> thankfully, when there was an opening spot, he was like, you know what? Let your let your boy give it a run, you know. And, you know, he had a good match with Shade for what it was. And I was really happy for him. Talked to him after. So he knows that you know, all these experiences, our opportunities are always given, yeah. you know. So I try to take him on his wing and uh, help him as much as I can or, like, going against the the two kids, uh, Nick and Chase, man, uh, it was fun dancing with them, you know, and to be able to talk to them afterwards. And, yeah. you know, it was, it was really nice to feel like the vet in the situation <laughs> for once. You know? uh, Joe, how was that for you, too, when, uh, you know, a guy like Toa has someone in the car with them and, you know, you're able to give those opportunities? Um, is it something that you look forward to, to just kind of see – some of the younger guys from, you know, other areas to kind of already now kind of get your radar going and seeing where they are now as compared to where you might be able to use them, let's say a year or a year and a half from now. Uh, not really. I had no interest in using his guy, but uh, a spot came open. So it was like, you know, the lesser of three, uh, three or four evils. So I was like, all right, we'll give this guy the shot. Like that was not, you know, we, we planned on having somebody there. So it's like, you know, it's hard. It was like, uh, you know, we did the women's show on Saturday and we were going to have two of our younger students who've wrestled before and on, in the smaller shows, Alice Blair and Dana Lynn. And we were only having seven matches on the show. And, you know, throughout the whole weekend, you know, there was probably a hundred wrestlers that, weren't wrestling for us that came through, said hello, hello, introduced themselves. So I got a message earlier in the day from Dana Lynn that she dropped a 45 pound something on her foot, which first was shocked that she was actually able to lift 45 pounds. But besides that, that she wasn't available. And the thing is a hundred guys came through, but no, no female wrestlers came through. So I ended up having, you know, to put Alice Blair in a three-way when she just wrestled Bryn Thorne a couple of weeks ago. That was not what I wanted to do. But you also wanted to give the girl who's been training with us and has been working hard, you know, an opportunity. You know, the girl Bryn Thorne was wrestling. She's also very inexperienced. Yeah. So it, it, it made it even tougher for Bryn because, you know, she's not – you know, a 20-year vet either, you know. She's good for where she's been, but she hasn't been in the business that long. And now she's kind of really got a general two other people yeah. that are still very inexperienced. And that was not what I was looking for. Plus, you know, the matches, six matches is a short card for us, you know. You know, thankfully, uh, the doors, ladders, and chairs match went like 40, so we were good. And, you know, speaking of... Uh doors ladders and chairs um and also of course the the main event at the gcw versus fsw was um just a, an absolute masterpiece in brutality and um cody you know just man you, you talk about someone who showed so much heart and it was nice to see that a four-man tag you know or you know four men involved in a match a, a tag match um, really, the other three guys really helped shine a huge light on Cody. 
um, as well as the Doors Letter Chairs match. Um, you know, Maserati did one hell of a job, and she took some nasty hits. Um, yeah, she she really went all out. You know, she had told me, you know, that she, you know, the, the problem with Maz was she got the title at a very difficult time. Like, all of a sudden, it's like, hey, I'm leaving in three weeks, Lacey, meaning, of course. And we had the FSW Women's Show, and we had the match that she was going to work set. And it was kind of like, oh, fuck, we need to get the belt off her, like, next week at the Women's Show. So, yet, Lacey's scheduled to beat somebody else. And now we have to come up with something that makes sense that really didn't make sense. You know what I mean? It's like, but it had to be done. So, Maz's run as champion, you know, probably didn't do for her what she would have hoped for. You know, Lacey didn't put her over strong. It was it was a match after she had a match. And with the success that Maz has been having over, you know, the last six months or so, you know, she wanted, you know, to put over Sandra really, really strong. And it started at the anniversary show. Uh, when I had the idea for the, the finish that we had done many years ago with uh, Remy Marcel and Tyson Tyler for the FSW Arizona Championship, where Johnny the Bull and our champion Franco D'Angelo was uh, involved with. And it was the same finish. Uh, instead of monster Johnny the Bull and monster Franco D'Angelo, uh, it was Jody and Strzok, you know, right. and, but the spot came off awesome. You know, it looked like Sandra won the dusty finish, you know, very rarely done in FSW. And, you know, that crowd was so hot for her to win the belt that the only issue I had was it was going to be two months before we had the opportunity to actually, uh, pull the trigger, but, you know, we, we had a last woman standing match a few years ago, and it was it was the shits. It was terrible, you know. And this is the first gimmick match that we've really had with the women since Sandra Moon and, and Strella, which was just a no DQ, and we incorporated a table. And that went really well. But this, by far, uh, was one of the best women matches that we had and, and probably one of the best matches of the weekend. And it was also fun watching Remy Marcel get skewered in his head. <laughs> Never uh, thought I'd see the day there. Uh, yeah. Uh, the famous words before you see someone walk walk around to backstage. What the fuck did yeah. I get myself involved in? Yeah, you know, he was looking for an extra 10 in that envelope. You know what I mean? Um, you know, hey, hey, I didn't tell you to take it. Go hit a CCW. <laughs> For that one, brother. Uh, Toa, let me uh, ask you. Let's um, let's talk a little bit about getting uh, together with Juicy. How how did you first, uh, you know, start working with Juicy, getting to know him, and how has that relationship between the two of you evolved um, since then? Um, I saw him on social media. I, think I saw him on Instagram. Um, I saw he was talking and he was wrestling, so I followed him. 
Um, then I saw that he was out in the Bay Area. This is when I moved out that way. I went to go watch him over at a show, and we just started chopping it up. We just hit it off really well. Um, we just started talking, and I was like, hey, are you a part of a tag team? He said no. And I was like, hey, you know, maybe we should do a tag for any promotions looking for tag. So that was the thing, too, is, like, I'm not trying to necessarily, like, not do any tag team stuff with Juice, but ideally, initially – it was for if there's a promotion looking for a tag teams, we can fit the mold. We didn't want right. to lose out on potential bookings. Right. You know, and it's so funny because then after that, my first debut was a tag match with Juice. You know, um, actually, uh, this this past year, last July over at uh, Knox Pro, it was my first my debut was with Juicy. So it's funny how it worked out. Yeah. Initially, it was like, oh, emergency. If we need to tag. I got a tag partner to debut debuting there together debuting over at fsw together you know so yeah and that's my guy my brother he looks out for me all the time i try to do the same for him um and in your relationship with him do you feel sometimes that you have a little bit of a big brother uh relationship where he kind of looks up to you for guidance and advice oh yeah most definitely man i i try my best to look out for him um in all aspects of life, right. uh, you know, I just let him know that the wrestling stuff, you know, all this stuff with the shows and stuff, all that stuff comes and goes. But I let him know, like, my friendship and my brothership's here for life, you know. The Toko Uso stuff isn't a gimmick, you know. Toko means brother in Tongan. Uso means brother in Samoan. So, you know, we're brothers. And, you know, I'm glad, glad you just said, uh, you know, the, the, the mix there of, uh, you know, the name – but let me ask you, when you look at your mix being, uh, you know, a little Puerto Rican in there, um, what does that mean to you in terms of, uh, you know, with, with family, like you were saying, family is so important. How do you guys, uh, you know, get together and celebrate and, you know, do you have a huge extended family uh, because it's a great fiery mix of, you know, bloodline there. Yeah, they, so, have, uh, roast, they have roasted pig and pasteles. It's a good combo. Fire combo. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the whole family stuff, man, uh, my Puerto Rican side is all over the place, over in like Florida, over in Puerto Rico, you know? So when it comes to my mother's side of things, it's kind of small, you know? And, when it comes to my father's side, you know, all this stuff was, uh, they're all over the place too, over Seattle, San Diego, you know, and then, and I seen the big, when we do have our big family functions, they're huge. You know, I think because, because of that too, visually, when I see all these things, you know, cause I was raised on my, uh, on my mom's side. So I sure. didn't, or initially I didn't have that big family gatherings. So for me, that's what makes it more important for me and my son and my kids to come is to go over and go see my family from all over places so that he can hang out with his, you know, his cousins and stuff, you know, sure. because family was so big for me. And I, I was kind of, the, I felt like the kid left out at sometimes, you know? Yeah. So I wanted to make sure that it doesn't happen for my kids. Sure. Um, and, you know, Joe, with uh, your heritage, um, does Toa, you know, pull at the heartstrings a little bit because, uh you know, you see that same fiery sense in him that you have? 
Oh, I'm, I don't think I'm fiery at all. I'm pretty quiet and peaceful myself. But no, it's always cool to see, uh, you know, a fellow Puerto Ricanio around because, again, you look at him and most people would think Samoan. They don't see Puerto Rican, you know. Most people see me and they, they see my Italian side and they don't see the other side. Right. So I got a lot of good spick jokes when I was a kid because, you know, everybody thought I was Italian. You know, especially working at Crazy Horse 2, where it was all Italian. I probably, I probably made sure I didn't mention that I was Puerto Rican. You know what I mean? You know? But, yeah, but it, but it is amazing how many others, Jay Vidal, you know, when, when Toko Uso runs its course, I already got the Boricua Posse ready to go in FSW. Oh, yeah, we're ready to go. Get my hair straight back braids, trim the beard up. <laughs> you know, we got the faction. We'll have the Boricua Posse. We'll get the biker group. It'll be just like 1998 WWF, brother. <laughs> I got I got Savio on speed dial, so just let me know. And yeah, then... yeah. Hammerstone knows him well in MLW. Yeah. We could probably get him in. <laughs> um, you know, when you look at the weekend as a whole, Joe, what makes a weekend like this which can – be very long, very tiring for the fans. What makes it successful in your eyes um, for the amount that you guys have to put into getting things together for as hectic as it can be for that lead up uh, in the last week or so before everything's executed? What is the payoff for you and how did it feel to finally get through the weekend and have such successful events that took place for FSW? Number one, it's being a realist. I knew beforehand that this wasn't going to be this big money-making adventure. It was like, I know there was a lot of time and there was going to be a lot of effort, but financial success wasn't what it was being done for. It was for the, the brand extension. It was for making other people who aren't aware that are wrestling fans in town of who the fuck FSW is, you know? And you see so many people who come in and, you know, you introduce yourself and it's like, you know, it's really weird. Like some people are like, oh, really? You're Joe DeFalco, man. You guys are great. Blah, 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 blah. And, and, and it's, you know, it's funny because like, you know, you get the fans that you've been with for a long time and it's like, oh, can I get an autograph? And I'm like, fucking autograph? Why would you want an autograph from me? You know what I mean? You put that on eBay, it ain't worth two cents. But people are very respectful of what we've done in the wrestling business. And that's when we know we've gone to that next level. Not the level we want to be at, but the next level. We, you know, we've been Vegas wrestling for, for 12 years. And from the day we first started, we, we drew. And Every year after the fact, it was like, wow, this was a bigger year than last year to where you thought there's no way we could do any better. And in 2019, we actually had the biggest year we ever had. Why? Because now we were putting everything together. Everything was in place. Actually started making some money out of the deal. You know, no Vince McMahon money, of course. But the reason I do this was because I, was, I loved wrestling. So if I expect somebody to buy a ticket to my show, I wouldn't buy a ticket to the show if it sucked. 
why would I expect them to? Right. I like wrestling. I grew up loving wrestling. So what do I want? I want to see the best wrestling out there. So from day one, when the very first show we had the young bucks on it, it was because I scouted and, you know, check things out, listen to who was hot on the scene. You know, later on, it was a guy like Brian Cage or a Sean Ricker. You know, then we really started generating our own homegrown talent. And, you know, Sefa came in, you know, the next guy after Bay was like, we, we always had somebody. And then Lacey came in and it was just, it's just been an amazing, amazing ride. And then using a guy like Eli Everfly and Gatson and, and now Toe was that young up and coming, you know, stud wrestler guy that people, you know, you see him and you're like, you know, you're going to, you're going to sit in that chair and maybe pay a little bit more attention. You know, he, he's a big dude, you know, throwing people around like that pounce and the finish came off. Awesome. The part before the finish sucked, but the, the, the finish came off great. And it was great how the referee counted. If you watch referee counted two, and as chase jumped on juicy's back, the count got stopped and then he hit him with the pounce and then he restarted the count instead of like, Oh, three and it's over. Yeah. You know, you know, everybody played their part well in that to make the finish look as good as it could, you know, and doing all the shows that we did, you know, we spread ourselves a little thin. I'll be honest. I would have never run the show on Sunday. I actually gave, you know, Joey, the, uh, the reins to kind of work with the no peace group and the Palais pro. And I guess paradigm who ended up dropping out. But then when the Friday noon spot or one o'clock spot, Joey wanted to take that kind of left, kind of left me with the bag for that last show. Right. And the miscommunication was fucking horrendous. Like we ended up not even streaming on the IWTV platform with them, which is the reason why we kind of did the things together. It's like, well, you're going to use my arena. You're going to use my production. You're going to get like this highly reduced rate, but in turn, we're going to get something. And you know, that didn't come to fruition. So I was a little irritated, you know, about the stuff like that, because in reality, I didn't want to do the next show. Yeah. You know, it went fine. There was no issues with the show per se, but it was just another another night that I'd rather concentrated on Natural Born Killers and the women's show and the GCW show because that was FSW. That was that was for us. And then when No Peace goes on IWTV, they're going to have their fan base. So we were hoping guys like like Koa and Juicy and Jay Vidal and all these guys would get seen by that different fan base. Right. So, you know, WWE said they're going to be back, I guess, for Money in the Bank in July of next year. You know, we're already going to start the pre-planning for that. But everything we do, you know, we're going to, we're going to base it on the right thing. Natural Born Killers at 11 o'clock was not the best idea, you know. GCW moved the time from 7 o'clock to 7.30. And then when, you know, I hit up Brett about it, it was like, you know, the rumors of CM Punk coming right out at 7 o'clock-ish, you know, for, for AEW, you know, he held off and moved his start time, yeah. which made us move our start time, which also made people who 
knew the show started at 11. Well, if GCW didn't know then until 11.15, a lot of people weren't going to be like, well, yeah, they probably started late too. They probably just said, hey, you know, it's been a long day. I'll go home and wake up early tomorrow to go to the FSW GCW show. Yeah. So we had at least attended uh Natural Born Killers event we had. And we had some really good stuff on there with TJ and Eli Everfly and, and Lawler and, you know, Jake something and, Called him a call and Cal Jack was real good. You know, they, you know, there was good matches from, from beginning to end. Even the guys who have no pro wrestling experience, but Ryan Walker from Bellator and the guy, his workout partner, who's also, you know, trains uh, John Moxley over at Extreme Couture, the guy Gill. So they were all excited to be a part of this. So it was disappointing that, you know, we didn't get near the amount of people that we would have wanted for it. Sure. Um, Toa, you know, not only this weekend did you do stuff with FSW, um, but you also, uh, I believe you had the verse, the versus show on uh, Sunday. Did you do that one? Oh yeah. What is it like working uh, with beast and versus? Because I know you're getting, you know, ring experience there as well when you're able to get into town. I mean, it's good. Like I said, I'm, I'm very appreciative of any opportunity that, that is presented my way. Um, for me, I'm just trying to do the best I can. And like, like I said, get my reps in, you know, yeah. um, my, my goal, like one of my little goals is just to, you know, to be ready faster than what is anticipated. Joe says a year. We'll see you in the next three months whether the belt comes my way or not. I need to prove it to him first, right. you know. So, these the gain these extra reps over at like you know versus or whatever other promotions is what's going to help me make that make that change faster into like in the sense of like progression, you know. So yeah, I'm very appreciative of of Wes over there giving me the opportunity for some reps. And, and Joe, can you see when you watch Toa wrestle? Can you see that growth starting to show um, from the first time you saw him to where he is now? I wouldn't say that I've seen the growth because I never saw him before he came with us. And when he came with us, you know, he looked like the real deal from day one. You know, is he probably better at the little things that? if you're not paying a hundred percent attention to, you know, I, I would think he would tell you that he's smarter about things. You know, he, he gets, I'm pretty sure because he's lucky enough to be in there with guys like Hammerstone and Graves. And even the other day, Paro was there, you know, talking to him about some stuff. These are bigger guys and, you know, protecting the size and doing certain things to make you look like the badass that you come across as. And it's just tweaking little things to, to make people more aware, more aware of you because the average fan's going to look at him and they're not going to predict, oh, he's only been doing this two and a half years. He's only been doing this four years. Right. They have no idea. They look at him as like a legitimate threat. He, the team is, look like, looks, is looked at as oh, shit, you know, they, these guys, they might be able to beat Death Proof. You know what I mean? It's like you, got, you love the Suavecitos and they're getting the tag title against Death Proof, but they're going to have to pull out all the tricks, and then they're still going to have to hope to have the best match of their careers to basically, you know, prove that 
it wouldn't be a fluke that they beat a team like Death Proof or the RMV or Togo Uso because they, they do have a lot to overcome besides the inexperience and the size and, and all that. You know, it's like, hey, what, what is Ricky and Danny going to do to chop down Juicy? You know what I mean? And it's like when you're a year and a half into the business, you probably don't have as many ideas about how to do that than you would when you have five years in the business and 250 more matches right. under your belt. And you're learning. And, and that's the best part about the, the wrestling. There's a lot of guys in this business that despite the fact that everybody wants to be you, – you hope everybody wants that top spot. But a guy like Hammerstone – doesn't say, you know what, I can't give Toa any info because, you know, I don't want him to step over me. It's he has enough confidence in himself and he sees something in this guy. So he wants to help him get there. Just like when he was coming up, you know, there were guys that gave him the advice and the rub and put him over when he was just this young kid who looked like Thor. You, yeah. you know what I mean? And, you know, that, that's what's really good about the wrestling business. You know, it, 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 it's cat and dog. There's a lot of scratching and people want to get the spots and do stuff. But there's a reason why the cream rises to the top. You know, Chris Bay, you know, is not intimidated by a new young buck coming in. And he'll be the first guy to, to watch his match and give him some advice to hopefully make him better. You know, he wants to make this business better. Yeah. There are some guys, and now you see that they're the weekend warriors. You know, they're they're a local guy that does pretty well, but they don't understand why they're not, you know, on the top of the food chain because I bring in other guys. And it's like, yeah, but why do you bring them in? And we've had that conversation. It's like, because uh, they're better. And I, I'm striving for here. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not happy being here. And when I get here, I'm probably not going to be happy till I get, you know, even higher. Yeah. And that's how your mindset is. You know, Toa should be a guy who, yeah, tag team champions. Great. But I want to be the man. You know, I want to be the heavyweight champion. I don't care if I got to go through Hammerstone, Shogun, Tito, Toa, his own guys, Chris Bay. It doesn't matter, you know. When you're the champion of FSW, that means fucking something. And, you know, to be there, you know, Seth was one of the guys who never got that shot because by the time we would have been ready to pull the trigger, you know, he was gone, you know. And as I said, the other guy that we looked at in that spot was Carl Fredericks. Yeah. And then he to the New Japan Dojo. And, and, and look at that guy now. He, he is the verge of of being one of the, the biggest stars in, in, in New Japan and, and, and Ring of Honor. Yeah. Guy's fantastic. And he was excellent with us. And, you know, to me it shows, you know, I know I have a great eye for talent, you know. And, you know, Toa is the next in that long line of guys that, you know, seem to have a bright future. And he's also not a 19-year-old kid, so he, he's an adult. And he's already been making good decisions. So, you know, we don't have to worry about, you know, the stupidness of that young kid getting something way too early. Sure. 
Um, now, Toa, let me ask you, because of your size, because of your look, um, the first part of this question is, when people see you in public, especially guys who think that they uh, are hot shots, does anyone start any trouble with you? Uh, thankfully not. Good. Good. All right. Now, the second part. I, I, I got a question. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot a joke. Question. When a fan comes up to you and, hey, Oos, what's up, Oos? And everything's Oos. Is that irritating? When it's a Depends new- on my mood. Depends on my mood. Oh, okay. It, it does depend on my mood. Sometimes I, it doesn't bother me. Sometimes because like they, like I look at it and I listen. And it's like like they feel they're part of it with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, that's like the wrong thing I would think to say. But that's why I wanted to ask. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Oos? No, it's most oh, definitely. There's only some of us who can say that, Oos. You know? You already see. You already know if you're <laughs> Um, well, along those same lines, my my second thought is, are there any little kids in your everyday life who maybe you come across at the grocery store or in the park or something like that that see you and think that you're Aquaman? Oh, yeah. I, I, I get that a lot. <laughs> That's not a bad thing, uh, man. I also, I also get Maui. So, you know, I get Maui and Aquaman. Wow. That's a awesome. hybrid of the two. <laughs> um, you know, Joe, as we kind of uh, kind of look to, to wrap up a little bit here, um, when you look at the the landscape of everything that um, just went down, the success of everything, the lessons that you guys have learned, when you see something like the announcement for um, July fourth in 2022 being a return trip for the WWE to um, Allegiant Stadium. Uh, Is it something that you guys will start planning earlier for this year uh, because of the stuff that you guys have learned? And is it something that you might try to run possibly bigger locations uh, so that more fans, you know, who probably saw the shows this weekend and got very much more so interested in, in seeing stuff if they're coming in from out of town, is that something that you guys will think about in terms of accommodating the um, type of fan base that you think that you guys could draw? You know, everything depends, because I'll be honest with you, when they said money in the bank, was going to be at a, a Legion stadium. I was kind of fucking shocked. It's like, that's not one of their big pay-per-views. They, they, they don't sell out, you know, arenas the size of T-Mobile, you know, 50, 60,000 people, unless they're doing something, you know, extremely special. And, you know, the rocks wrestling Roman Reigns and then, you know, Lesnar's now defending the title that he won this year against, uh, CM Punk, who came over after the one-year contract, you know, I, I just don't see that outside fan base. You know, when they do a pay-per-view, sure, you're going to get some people from Cali and from Phoenix, 
But for SummerSlam, you're getting people from all over the United States that are flying in specifically. You know, uh, when Ring of Honor runs their anniversary show, it's a bigger deal. Obviously, with far less people, you know, at Samstown, it's 800 people compared to 600, you know, 65,000, 50,000, whatever they got. So it's a lot easier to fill up the 800. But when Ring of Honor's out here and doesn't run the anniversary show, you can see the numbers are, are way lower because way less people are coming in for it. You know, they did a show at the Orleans Arena that was totally outdrawn by our Mecca show. Right. So, you know, in October, you know, Impact is coming back. And my son's like, oh, let's do a joint show, Dad. I'm like, well, why would I need to do a joint show with you? I'm, in, I'm, I'm my company. You know, we're going to do a show. And I'm like, but Impact doesn't bring in any outside fans other than you know a handful of the hardcore fans so running a bigger show the night before <laughs> is not going to be beneficial to us like we'd rather i would rather take a separate week even if it's a week before or a big halloween show the week after you, you know what i mean yeah. that's draw us better than impact who's going to do a lot of seat fillers and, and they're going to you know, they, they want to get as many people in there as they can. So they'll give away a lot of tickets. Well, if you go there Saturday and Sunday and you get second row tickets for free, you're probably okay with missing that FSW show that's 40, 50 bucks. You know, you, you, you're getting hours of wrestling. You're getting pay-per-views. You're getting a, an awesome roster of Impact guys. So what's the necessity? Hey, we could miss one FSW show and save our, uh, you know, our family of three or four, a couple hundred bucks because we're going to be spending it over there if they are. So, yeah, if we and then again, are they going to do money in the bank on Saturday or Sunday? You know, if they do it on Saturday, it's going to be tough because I can't see us doing more shows. I see us doing less shows. Yeah. WWE runs on Sunday. I'm guaranteeing GCW will be out. I'm guaranteeing you will be doing something with them. But now we can maneuver natural born killers in a different spot. Yeah. You know, it's possible that we bring back the Mecca for that event. You know, it's like, who's coming here first? You know, is it AEW? And seeing our fan base as it is, there's no reason we may not just do a Mecca show when we feel it's, it's, it's a good time, you know, a good time of the year. And, you know, maybe when GCW comes back in a couple months, say they come back in January or February, Hey, maybe we do the Mecca on the other day. They're not going to be here. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's a lot of pre-planning all in here, like waiting to hear things, thoughts, you know, there's always going to be ideas of what we're going to do. But, you know, unfortunately, sometimes, you know, you have to wait till you really know what's the situation. You know, we can't be like the WWE and just say, okay, we're going to do this July 3rd. And it's, oh, okay, well, WWE decided since 4th of July is on Sunday that we're going to run the Saturday the 3rd. Now we have to redo everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, we're smart enough to understand the reason why there's so many people that are going to be here 
that, you know, for that weekend, it's obviously because they're here to see WWE. Now, if, if, if we could convince some of their fans to check this out, you know, maybe we make that fan for life because, you know, if you look at the Twitter, I'm pretty sure we made some new fans that heard of us, knew who we were, but never came to an FSW show. They lived out of state or whatever. Now maybe those guys will, you know, buy the pay-per-view. Right. You know, we have sold more iPay-per-views for the FSW GCW show than anything we've ever done. And even more so than, you know, Cross Moxley for Natural Born Killers. So, you know, definitely happy what we got going on there. And Toa, um, as we are getting close to wrapping up here, let me ask you, you wrestle against a guy like Graves. Is Graves one of the hardest hitting guys that you've worked with? And how have you enjoyed the the way things are going in that uh, ultimate battle between the two of you? Um, oh, yeah, working Graves, man, is, I, I have a blast. I, I like that stylistic of wrestling for me. Um, thankfully, he does too, so we kind of mesh really well together. Yeah. You know, and then uh, what was the second part of that question, boss? Just in terms of, uh, you know, how that uh, story is playing out so far, how, how have you enjoyed the fact that, you know, there's there's really something there that's being built, and I don't even know if the fans know yet where this is leading, which is really nice because a lot of times you see things are just choreographed and you know where it's going. How is that for you in terms of, you know, getting a chance to work with him and ultimately, you know, probably leading to a chance to work with Hammerstone? Oh, man, I love it. Um, Joe, you know, hit the nail on the head earlier. You know, these guys, man, since day one, I think um, based off how they see me, they were really receptive of helping me out. Um, especially Graves, since I work with Graves like a few few more times than I have Hammer. Hammer was the first time ever in that tag match. Yeah. Um, Graves has always like looked out for me. I can tell by, you know, by the way we, you know, he calls things and he's talking to me. I know he has my best interest, and it's you know it feels good knowing and you know like seeing that you know um, going into what could, what's to come. Man, I'm I'm so excited. I'm extremely excited because I know. Working with these guys is what's going to get me to the next level. Uh, I like working guys that, you know, are better than me. I like working guys that have been doing this longer than me because I'm going to absorb as much as I can. Thank thank God you're an FSW. That's the whole roster. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. You know, I'm absorbing as much as I can. And, you know, I'm going to defend the throne. I'm going to be the king of the jungle over at FSW sooner than later. That sounds amazing in terms of the uh, possibilities um, and, and Joe, well, that's the, you know, that's saying a lot that Joe Graves looks out for somebody, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so I hear, so I hear you, you generally have to really earn that respect and not saying that Toa hasn't learned it, but it sure seems awfully quick for as long as Graves has known him to already be able to put that trust in him. You know, that, that's, that says it right there, you know? Yeah, I think that's a fabulous point. And I think that um, that Toa, in terms of man feeling feeling something that is accomplishing something, that in itself 
is a huge accomplishment, a huge honor, and it says a lot about where you're going in the future. Um, and your dedication and hard work absolutely shows 100% in the you know, way. Yeah, go ahead, Joe. I was going to say, it makes me want to fast track him to have those one-on-one -on -one matches with Brandon G. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Are you kidding? I, you <laughs> oh, know, you got me. <laughs> I tell you, after this weekend, you could be working Jody. So... I mean, I'm always hungry. I'll never turn down a free meal. Actually, we uh, we have the show September 3rd. And, you know, again, pre-planning and getting things done from when we set up the last high octane. Uh, we got Death Proof defending against the Suavecitos. And we have the other two guys in the match. Should be a really cool one-on-one. -on -one. Thomas Day and Adrian Quest. Uh, Chris Bay is going to wrestle... Watson, but what I'm going to do is we're going to have a lumberjack match where the faction can all be out there, but also now Shogun and Hero, and maybe another guy will be out there to even even the odds. But we're waiting because uh, we already have the match set. We're just double checking to make sure Juicy's got to make sure he's able to get here in time because he's going to be somewhere else. But uh, Toko Uso is supposed to uh, wrestle. One of the more popular tag teams in FSW, Sky High, on September. Wow, I'm 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 sure uh, Sky High is looking forward to that. And I'm pretty sure Juicy and Toe are going to try to throw those guys Sky High. <laughs> you might have to have the plaster for the wall ready because if someone gets darted into the wall, they're going straight through the FSW arena. Well, they know better. They'll have to face the wrath of Rocky T. And you don't want to do that, brother. <laughs> yeah, I'm good off that. Um, Toa, before we uh, we uh, let everyone go here, let me ask you to uh, let the people know where they can follow you on social media so they can get to know you a little bit better. Oh, yeah, most definitely. My Instagram is Toa underscore Leona, L-I-O-N-A. Um, and then my Twitter is Lionheart Oose. You can catch me over there. Um, yeah, man, appreciate you um, getting me on the show, giving me the opportunity to showcase who I am and talk, you know, a little bit behind the man, you know, because every time I step out there, I'm really looking for a fight. So what you see on, on my social media, you know, I'm the same person. It's just like anyone, you guys, a UFC fighter, before they go into the ring, before they go into Octagon, they're a different person. So just know when you see me, you see me with my kids, you know, don't don't take that as a sign of weakness because it's kayfabe. It's real. I'll tell you his for sure. His kids will whoop your ass. My hair you know comes down. I'm ready to kill. It's real. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think that's that's a, a very, very um, well-made point. Um, let me ask you, like you said, you get hyped up before you go out there. Is there a particular uh, song that you listen to or any type of music you listen to before you uh, go out there or hype yourself up with? Um, honestly, man, it's just the voices in my head tell me I ain't shit. I don't got a contract. You you don't deserve anything. You gotta go take everything. That's that's what that's what pushes me. You know those those things. That's what I'm saying. Like what you see out there, it's it's, it's really than you think. Yep. Just put it that way. You know when I hear him backstage, he's always singing "I'm the Man" by Taylor Swift or something. <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> that's post match, Joe. That's post match. 
<laughs> oh man, and, and you know what, Joe? Maybe maybe Toka Uso has found their calling, and uh, you have uh, Ricky Tenacious sing them out to the ring, and then murder Ricky after <laughs> that. Without that, I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, A live execution. I think that. You know, you want to talk about death matches with the GCW? If we did a live execution, I think we'd have more views. <laughs> we can thank you for that, Matt. Uh, Ricky will thank you also. He'll be, he'll be in the the, uh, the 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 most watched segment in FSW history. He won't be able to enjoy it, but hey, he'll have a legacy now. Oh man, Ricky, I'm so sorry, but uh, uh, I'll sing at your your wake so all right everyone thank you so much for tuning in it's been a blast and uh you know everyone uh actually i can say right now it looks like next week joe uh remy marcel will join us to uh oh he's wow we're we're retreading again (laughs) i think i think this was a special request because of the fact that he still blames me for uh talking with you and putting it out there in the world uh, that he uh, should wrestle a hardcore match and uh, get uh, a dart stuck in his head so uh... oh yeah you know uh, we get to you know the next day he's texting me oh my fucking head's killing me <laughs> what like like he's blaming me like I told him to take skewers in the head <laughs> well we get to talk about it next week <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know, you know, Fresco's asking for that favor back. You know what I mean? He wants to get the rub and come on my show. You know? Oh, you know what? We're. I'll talk to you about the faction and uh, and the faction's response to uh, doing the show and how they want to do the show because it always comes to how they want to do things. Obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. They 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 think they make the rules for some reason. <laughs> All right, everyone, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next time.